0: Because you just mentioned that we should be checking our cats for ticks how do we do that
1: so really easy like cats like you know cats like to sit on your lap um so the best thing i say is do it symmetrically
0: join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts learn from them listen to their war stories celebrate their wins and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey cat explorer podcast i'm Hassara.
2: and i'm daniel
0: before we jump in we would love it if you could take a screenshot of your phone or a photo of what you're doing or something silly that your kitty is doing and upload it to your instagram stories and tag us at cat explorer.community and our awesome guest at fleemail.com.au can't wait to see who's listening along (coughs) This episode is brought to you by the new Wee Kitty Eco Plant Litter. The new Wee Kitty Eco Plant by Rufus & Coco is made from sustainable and naturally absorbent wheat and soy fibres. It's the natural litter for cats who care and the humans who love them. Reduce your carbon paw print and make the switch. Head to www.weekitty.com to find a store near you and for your chance to win a year's supply of kitty litter. Due to everything going on in the world at the moment in April 2020, it's understandable, if you can't remember, that a few weeks ago we reached out to you, asking what questions you'd love to ask a vet. Dr. Evan Shaw is an Australian veterinarian based in Brisbane, Australia. He has worked in a variety of fields, but his passion is for wildlife. After graduating from James Cook University, he headed to Africa to work as a wildlife veterinarian and worked with some of Africa's most iconic wildlife. Since returning to Australia, he has worked in private practice and with the RSPCA. Dr. Evan is also the founder of Fleamail, an online parasite prevention service that delivers its members a monthly protection to their door when it's due. He's currently furthering his studies in animal forensics and crime scene investigations at Sydney University. And we've got so many of your questions to ask him. Welcome
2: to the podcast, Dr. Evan. How you going, guys? Uh, good, thank you. We're actually really excited to have you because a few weeks ago, members in our community submitted a few questions for us to ask you as part of our Ask a Vet series. And every time we get a vet on, we just love to pick their brain because we've got all these burning questions about cats. Yeah. So yeah, it's always a great opportunity when we do get a vet on to ask them some questions. And the first one will be around cat food. So... Yep. The idea is, or the the question is, is it important to switch around what our cats eat to get all the nutrients?
1: I generally say uh, no, because um, there's a few things that can happen um, with your cat. Um, So because cats, as uh, most people know, they're what's called um, an obligate carnivore. Um, So, you know, they have to eat meat um, to get some of their essential amino acids. Um, And if you switch around um, your food and stuff like that, a lot of people don't realize that it's actually the meat in the food that causes a lot of issues. Um, so it, things to do with allergies and stuff like that. Um, and it also can give you know, tummy upsets by changing your cat's diet and things like that. I just tell everybody, look, stick with what your cat likes. You can treat them. You, you can change it every now and then, but there's no need to continuously change. Um, if you buy your cat food from a veterinarian or a, or a pet store, as long as it says nutritionally complete, um, which pretty much all of them are, that's like, that's the most important thing. And just to keep, I mean, if you keep them on the same sort of diet, uh, that you're just going to have a lot less problems. Um, I mean, there's also, you know, there is a lot of people, you know, can sit there and say, oh, but you know, I like, you know, I like to eat lots of different food. Um, but cats and dogs, they don't really have the same, um, you know, human emotion, um, attached to food and stuff like that. So, um, like they do like different things, but just, figure out what they like and just try and keep them on a very similar diet, you'll have a lot less problems.
0: That's really interesting. So on the days that we do more activity with our cats, like when they go cat exploring and things like yeah. that, should we be giving them more food on those days?
1: Yes and no, again. Um, so big problem with obesity um, in cats and stuff like that in Australia. However, a lot of those cats that are going out exploring with their owners uh, have a tendency to be you know, quite fit. Um, and on, and, and on, on a pretty good diet as well. Um, so like, like a working dog, um, you know, they do need more food on days they work. So like a little tiny bit of extra food, but people don't realize that a tiny bit of extra food to fill those, um, like it's exercise calories. You're talking about, you know, another teaspoon maybe of food. So you don't, you don't really need to go like, Oh, I gotta, you know, double up the food cause we've been doing all this stuff um they're a very efficient animal um so you know if they're if you want to give them like a little tiny bit extra yeah go for it but you don't really have to
2: Mm, okay so it's not actually very much i I always had it in my head that and we've done this in the past sometimes where we've sort of given them a full whole meal or something just because we are worried that they don't eat enough so interesting to hear you say that it yeah they only need a little teaspoon
1: Yeah, like um, one of the big problems we have like in the clinic is just the ridiculous amount of like overweight cats and dogs that come in. Um, And the main thing is people don't weigh their food. Um, And like when you read on the back of a packet or something like that, like give a third of a cup, that's such an arbitrary measurement. And one third of a cup to one person is completely different to the next person. Um, But a weight is always the same. Um, so my cat and people like always see how much my cats gets fed and they go, Oh my God, she, she's like, how does she look normal? And you only give her that much food. Cause I literally give her 12 grams for breakfast and 12 grams for dinner. That's it, which is about two teaspoons. Um, but that is like doing all the math and stuff like that. That is her caloric intake, um, for the day and all she needs. Um, so yeah, you just, you do get people like just a little small amount uh, for a cat can mean like 20% extra calories, you know, in a day. And when you look at what's called the RER of, um, a cat, so, um, that's basically, uh, how much food they need each day, uh, based on their basal meta- metabolic need, um, is so for a, a normal act, like a normal cat, you're looking at about 1.2, your RER, um, for a really, uh, active cat, you're looking at about 1.4. So it's a very small amount of difference in calories um, for more active cats and uh, dogs and things like that. Like people think it's this huge thing, but it's it's just really not.
2: So how would it work if, say, for example, when you go exploring, sometimes you tend to treat your cats to sort of entice them to do certain things or reward them. How do you work that? additional meals if, or additional serving or extra teaspoon in, given that you've already also treated them, like what's the impact of having, giving them treats in terms of caloric intake?
1: Um, so treats are generally really tasty and they're generally full of fat, uh, which is fine. Uh, but what I do is, um, so a lot of the dog training that I do or the cat training that I do, um, I'll go and weigh their daily food in the morning and I'll put like half of it into a bag and that's what I use to treat. So they're always getting the same amount of calories each day and they're always getting the same sort of foods and stuff like that. So that way you don't really have to go, oh, I gave it a couple of these things and I did this and rub. If you've just got, if you've weighed it out at the start of the day and split, you know, half of it into a bag when you go, you know how much they've gotten that day. So you don't have to worry about the math or anything like that or, you know, worry about, oh, I think I gave it some of this and stuff. If the bag's empty, you go, cool, and they've had their daily need.
0: That's a really great plan. Um so what are your thoughts on raw feeding?
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, this is a very contentious issue. Um yep. so raw feed if you do it at home yourself, there's a 99.99% chance you're doing it wrong. Um and your cat is not getting what they need or your dog is not getting what they need or um what you're actually doing can be quite dangerous. Um if you're getting your raw food from like, a, like an online company that does delivery. There's quite a few of them nowadays. Um, they're all balanced and complete, which is the really important thing, especially for cats, because they really need a couple of those amino acids um, that they just cannot get from uh, other things. And I mean, you get cats that aren't getting taurine and things like that, and they come in blind. But the big thing is for me, campylobacter and salmonella are really big problems um, for people who raw feed. The other big thing about doing raw food at home is um, people use human grade products uh and don't realize that especially in australia um and the us for example and a lot of places in europe as well um they have a lot of phosphorus um in the soil and in um the fertilizers they use so you get a um you get a condition called hyperphosphatemia and it basically makes all the calcium in their bones leach out um so they get they they get really 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 unwell because there's about five times the phosphorus in um like human grade beef than there is in a lot of you know the cat foods and dog foods and stuff so it is quite a big problem there as well
2: oh wow didn't even know that so on the other side of food is water Yep. how do we know if we if our cats are getting enough water
1: uh, so there is a, so they did a really good study on this and I, and I've seen this, um, a hell of a lot in clinic as well. Um, so about 90 to 95% cat, of cats are dehydrated at all times. Um, so the reason for this is they're actually a desert animal. Um, that's what they're, um, they sort of come from. Uh, so they're, I mean, they're used to being in that, sit, that sort of situation, but the big thing is, um, so evol- like from an ev- evolutionary standpoint is cats hate still water. That's why a lot of people go like, you know, oh, you know, like, um, and, it's, and especially still water that's been sitting there for a couple of hours. They can smell it. They have about, they're about a hundred times more sensitive on the nose than a dog is. Um, so they've got an amazing sense of spell. And the reason we don't use them as sniffer, like uh, in the same way as sniffer dog, you can use a sniffer dog. is because they just don't like to be trained. Um, they're far more independent. Um, so... I always tell people um like you see a lot of stuff online like cats drinking from the tap it's because it's running water and they can smell the running water they can smell that it's fresh and they can smell the ozone coming from the water as well which which is another big thing so if you um one of the big things I tell people is buy a waterfall um so drink well and a whole bunch of other companies um sell these um and it's just a continuous flow system and I always get phone calls or stuff like that from People ring up going, I got one. My cat is drinking all day. I'm like, yeah, that's because it wants to. Um, And you get um, huge problems. So like a ridiculous number of cats, especially in old age, will die from kidney-associated diseases. And a lot of that has to do with they're eating these really high-caloric dry foods and not getting enough water. So their kidneys are just working overtime because they're dehydrated and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, running water is key. Um, so yeah, most of the time you just got to say my cat is dehydrated.
0: That's really interesting. So we do have a water fountain and we also do have bowls as well because our cats seem to decide one day they like the uh, fountain, other days they don't.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, one of the things is like multiple water sources. A lot of people have the cat bowl next to the kitty litter next to the food. And I don't know you, but I don't really like drinking stuff next to my toilet. Um so yeah there's like if if you have you know three or four bowls around the house um that's that's generally going to be a lot better and change them every single day.
0: So also change the water in the water fountain yes. as well every day. Yeah.
1: Or, wow. Well well no, a lot of the water fountains are really good because they've got well, they've got a hepa filter on them. Um so that will actually filter out um, a lot of the water um, really well. So you don't really need to, I mean, you you do need to clean them. That's one of the big problems people have that I see is they just don't, you know, leave them for like a month and just don't clean them. And then like I pull out the pump and go, look, and they're like, ah. Um, So I do say, look, once a week, clean it, but it doesn't, because it's flowing and it's running and it's got that HEPA filter in there, um, a lot of them um, are a hell of a lot safer for the cat because of those things and you can buy drops um for those uh for fountains and stuff like that most vets and pet stores have them that um will actually clean the water add fluoride things like that so yeah
0: oh that's a really good point as well we um recently purchased um some drops to like for their teeth as well yep. so that's very a good point to um think about other stuff as well so we're going to shift gears a little bit um into look talking about cat behavior so this is a question from one of our members in our community how do you get a younger kitten who's around nine months old to stop wrestling the older cats who might be between 16 to 18 years old
1: okay well this is this can be like a common thing um but look playtime's a vital part of every cat's day um so from kittenhood all the way through to old age but i mean that is a significantly like an 18 or 19 year old uh, cat um is a significantly older cat those cats are normally um like my cat at the moment has gone deaf because she's getting older um so that can be sort of one of those things they just get scared their reaction times are a lot lower um but also you got a lot of indoor cats now as well so they do have a lot of pent-up energy um so they need to get exercise and fulfill that need for socializing, especially when they're a kitten. Um, so yeah, big cats and you know feral cats can get this through hunting and simply um, like you know existing with a social hierarchy. But for the average house house cats, play is the only outlet. So I tell a lot of people, just like a you know a dog at home, play with your cat, play with the younger cat, and it will generally leave the other cat alone a fair bit more. Or if it just becomes um, a problem, like you just have to separate them. Um, it's, it depends on, it. it really depends on each, you know, each situation is different. Um, but the same, same thing with any other animal like training with food, um, is a really, is a really good way. You know, you should never, ever, ever, ever punish any animal, um, to train them. Um, you always use positive, um, reinforcement, um, and use a thing called negative, uh, what's called a negative punishment. Um, so a negative punishment is where you take something away from the cat when it's doing something you don't want it to do. So a positive punishment is where, you know, you're adding something like, you know, hitting it or, you know, anything like that where you're adding a stimulus, but say if the cats annoying the big cat take the big cat away or take the little cat away and just continuously do it because they will start to figure out like, you know, Oh, like, you know, I don't like it when that happens. I shouldn't do that. But it's not, it's not, you know, like I said, it's not adding something that's going to make them give them a stimulus of like, I'm scared now. Um, so yeah, negative punishment and positive reinforcement are the two only training methods that have been uh, proven to work far more than, um, uh, was it negative reinforcement and positive punishment.
2: So another question from the community is, why would a cat want to hide outside in the rain, even though they could hide inside?
1: Uh, well, there's, again, multitude of uh, answers. One, um, <laughs> cat might just not like you or the house. Um, it's generally not it. But what a lot of people um, don't understand is, like, you know, rain a lot of the time happens in the afternoon and the evening. Cats are a nocturnal animal. They like being outside. In, and. Uh, a lot of cats and people go like, "Cats hate water. Cats hate getting wet quickly. Cats love rain um so you probably noticed with your fountain does your cat stick its head under the um like the where the fountain comes out does your do your cats ever stick their head under the water? Well,
0: fountain's a little bit um smaller there, but they definitely do that with the tap.
1: Yeah. So that's the thing. Cats love water on their head. You'd be very, very surprised. And a lot of cats actually do really like water. They just want to do it on their time. Uh, and rain to a cat is actually a wonderful thing because, again, desert animal, um, the smell of rain is, that's a time of plenty for them. So they like to be out in the rain going, because like, all that ozone and everything is sort of coming down with the lightning and everything like that. You get a you know, big bursts of ozone with lightning um so they love being outside and having the splashing on their head like the spotting on their head because they're like oh this is this is a time of plenty that's that's coming for me and this is all fresh water um and a lot of them are dehydrated so yeah they love it
0: that suddenly explains why our lumos always insists on going out in the rain
1: <laughs> yeah they love it it's the sm- it's a lot to do with the smell yeah. Um, of the rain, and yeah, and just the feeling of oh, this is you know this is fresh water. This is you know yeah. When I when their ancestors were in the desert, you know, it never rained sort of thing. So that was a time to go. Yes.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So shifting gears again a little bit, are there any red flags that we should keep an eye out for that mean that we should take our cats to the vet?
1: Yeah, there is. Like cats are kind of like birds they're really 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 good at hiding problems so if your cat disappears is like you know a little if it like um if it's a little bit under the weather it's generally like there's something wrong so if you like most people if they bring a bird into the vet and they're going like oh my bird's like he looks sick 99 percent of the time it is way too late Because a bird is really, 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 it's important for them when they're in the wild to never show weakness. Um, Dogs are really different. They like to ham it up. Um, They're really, really, because they're all about facial expressions with humans and stuff like that. And they understand very quickly that, oh, if I, you know, if I ham it up and look sorry and I get a lot of attention. Um, Cats, on the other hand, will actually go and try and hide because in the wild, if they're, you know, they're out, you know, they're going to get eaten um so a lot of the times they'll go and hide so there's a couple of things you can really look for um yeah if they dis- if they if they start looking listless um so you know like weak sort of thing that's a really really good time um like to take your cat to the vet very quickly um because they do go down very very fast uh, another big thing is when someone says oh my you know my cat was running around and now he's panting cats should not pant Open mouth breathing for a cat means I am ridiculously stressed. And whenever I see open mouth breathing, that's a huge sign of a get me to the vet really quickly.
0: Actually, about panting, so for example, if we're well, we've got like a really aggressive play happening with Lumos, he does tend to pant because, yeah. because he's out of breath. Is that quite normal?
1: Look, I mean if it's if they're having a big play and they're um, it, it is a a sign of um, like this isn't for every cat at all, uh, but for most cats, open mouth breathing is a sign of major stress, um, whether it be mental stress or physical stress. Some cats are just, you know, they just like playing a lot, and they get really hot, and they just keep playing and playing and playing, and that open mouth breathe. But yeah, it depends how long it lasts. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where they're not they are like, you know, that is how they cool themselves down. They don't, you know, they're not like people and stuff with sweat, but because their surface area is completely different to a dog, um, their heat exchange is quite different through the, through their skin and fur. That's why you don't see cats panting very often at all. It's sort of like a real, that's sort of like, this has gone down to a point where like they're doing everything to get that heat exchange going on. So look, I mean, if it's, if it's a common occurrence with your cat, um, I wouldn't be super worried about it. And, you know, they've been playing and stuff like that. And it can be, especially if they're a younger cat, it can be a, not a stress response, but just a, just a response to a lot of stimulus, which is, you know, the playing and the fighting. Um, So, yeah, it's just one of those things like I say, you just really keep an eye on it. And as soon as you sort of see it start to happen, just separate them and let them calm down, let them cool down.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think with Lumos... He's panting. Is he? I think that's his realization that he's getting tired. He's not very good at controlling his excitement. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Younger cat? No, he's three years old, but he's
1: okay. oh yeah, that's he's a, Lumos. A, he's yeah, a bit so a, a younger cat. Yeah. So any basically anything over the age of eight, I say is a bit of an older cat. A three-year-old cat that's like a that's like a twenty-five-year-old. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's you know that's that's like I said again, just you know just a plaything. Um, where are you based? We're in Sydney. Yeah. It's a warm, you know, warm climate, um, stuff like that. So yeah, it's like, I mean, I wouldn't be super worried about that, especially if it's been, um, something that happens regularly, but yeah, I, I would, as soon as you see anything like that happen, just separate them. It should go away quite quickly, but if it continues, take them to the vet.
0: Yeah. We usually, it only lasts a few seconds, but we usually yeah. use that as a sign and- yeah, that's usually his first sign of he's getting tired. He like our other cat will actually sit down, but he will. That's his first sign, so we use that as a sign yeah. of playtime's over.
1: You need yeah. to recover. Just a highly driven cat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, continuing what we're talking about before with red flags and vet visits, are yeah. there what's the most common reasons for an emergency cat uh, vet visit that you would see?
1: Well, for an emergency, like the most common reason people bring their cat in is um, actually um, parasite related things. It's the most common thing for anyone uh, to go to the vet after my, my dog or cat is unwell. Um, number two, by a huge way, is something parasite related um, or like, my dog is scratching a lot. My cat is scratching a lot. Um, but that wouldn't classify those as emergencies. In emergency situations, a lot of them, um, so a hell of a lot of them have to do with kidney disorders. Um, like the cat's just crashed. So you have acute um, kidney disorder and, and chronic kidney disease. Um, they're sort of like two big ones. Um, things like, you know, hit by a car uh, is, you know, like right up there as well. But, yeah, there's uh, emergency-wise, you know, tick paralysis, um, a lot of it, you know, like, yeah, my cat, like, you know, my cat threw up and there's blood in it or my cat pooed and there's blood in it. Um, but, yeah, mainly it's it's like my cat is just really floppy. Like, it's very listless. Like, she's not the normal cat. And that's where we see a lot of problems coming from because a lot of the time it's like, oh, this, you know, your cat's been hiding it from you. And because they're really good at hiding stuff, it's now actually progressed To a point where the cat is showing something. So, I generally say, you know, emergency situations um, that I see when someone brings their cat in, you know, if I pick the cat up, sort of thing, and it's just like all floppy, I'm like, okay, we need to do something about this. We need to put this on fluids immediately.
0: Yeah. So, I I suppose the biggest takeaway for all of us is to make sure that we keep an eye on our cats and also understand their general behaviors as well. So, if they suddenly go really quiet. Yeah. Always
1: interact with your cat. And if you see, like, the big thing for a vet is, They'll ask you, so, um, so when we're trying to diagnose things um, and trying to find a reason or what is wrong with the cat, the number one thing we'll generally ask of you is, what changes have you seen? Cats and dogs are huge animals of habit. So if you notice something different that's when you should, you you should, you should start looking, you know, into something like, you know, Oh, like the cat always sleeps. Like my cat always does the same thing. She walks to a over here, she gets on the couch, she does that. She goes to the bathroom at about this time. She walks upstairs, she sleeps on the veranda around here and stuff. But, you know, I only get worried about when I know it's, you know, between like 11 and five, she's on the back veranda. And if I walk up there and go, where's the cat? Like, that's when I go, like, oh, I need to go find the cat and make sure that everything's, you know, just make sure she's okay because that's not normal for her. That's not her normal behavior. Um, So, yeah, change is a big thing. We'll ask about, like, you know, and when we're trying to diagnose, we'll ask about what changes have gone into the the house. Have you changed their food? Have you changed their parasite control? Have you changed? Have you got a new roommate? Do you have a new couch? Um, like any of these sorts of things what changes has happened that's that's changed their perception of their reality um so yeah it's very important to notice change so to spend time with your cat Um, and if you do see a change prick your ears up and you know give them like you know like watch them sort of thing keep more attention on them
2: That's right, because they're generally creatures of habit. And who best to notice those changes than the person who lives with them every day, who interacts with them and who feeds them, who gives them cuddles and cleans their kitty litter?
1: Yeah. That's why, yeah, like when, like if you go to a human doctor, um, and my brother hates it when I say things like this, um, because he's a pediatric surgeon. Um, a lot of the times they'll, they'll sit there and they'll go, you know, they'll put the stethoscope on, have a bit of a listen, you know, talk to you for like two minutes um and you know they can get a lot of information out of you but you'll notice when you go to a vet clinic a lot of it you know there's a lot of questions because we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to find out the story behind stuff um so yeah it's just it is one of those things where it's like a lot of changes and if, if we're with uh so this is i know this might i know this might sound a little sexist but i'm a guy so um a lot of the times when a guy comes in um, with the cat or dog a lot of the times they don't spend a lot of um, like they're not really in tune with the pet as much as you know the female partner or the female owner um so you'll get a guy coming in and they'll have like the dog on a leash if they're lucky um, and be like you know so what do you feed it they'll be like, ah dog food sort of stuff like that but a female will walk in with the big binder full of everything that the cat's on and the dog's on right and they're really really well in tune so I'll generally say who spends most of the time with the cat and I'll talk to them because they know the behaviour and they know, they know all those sorts of things.
0: You can't see us, but Daniel and I are cracking up laughing here.
1: <laughs> it's, it is really, really common. Like the amount of times we're like, so what, what dog food are you feeding it? Oh, I don't know, there's a dog on the box. <laughs> but, yeah. um, or it's, or it's proceeded with, I don't know, my wife does all that um so yeah so it's it is just one of the things like i said it sounds sexy but it's just the reality of the situation uh, a lot of the times you yeah, guys just really aren't they're like hey you know i feed it dog food and you know what's its parasite prevention i don't know can't remember <laughs> like you know like do you remember the name of the brand it starts with a like okay so advocate Advantix, advantage um advil um this and they're like well, there's a dog on the box it says it does fleas <laughs> sort of thing. You're like, oh, okay. So you yeah. know, so it's it is one of those things where whoever's got the most amount of information. I mean, and then, you know, you get guys who are just all about the dog or the cat. Um so yeah, I always um or well, the other really good thing is the kids. If there's kids in the house, the kids are always playing with the cat, they'll notice changes. So talk to the kids as well.
0: That's a really good point. So this is something that was really interesting someone brought up um, in the community was, do you, what are your thoughts on how cat exploring affects your cat and do you believe there are any downsides to cat exploring?
1: Look, the, uh, the positives far outweigh the negatives. Um, it's just how good you are with them. Like, you know, it's not a good idea to, you know, go out with your cat if you don't do it a lot and, you know, don't have it on a leash and, like, you know, all these sorts of things. Or, yeah, because, like, it's, it's going to freak the cat out because they're, you know, a creature of habit. So start small um, small trips, small adventures, things like that, um, but at the end of the day, stimuli and environmental stimulus is always fan is is generally fantastic for an animal um, like no one like i mean some cats just want to lie on their you know lie on their like my cat she doesn 't want to do anything but lie on her towel twenty three hours a day that's just the cat she is um. But a lot of cats are, no, no, no like, I, I want to go out. I want to hunt. I want to see things. I want to smell things because their nose is so attuned to stuff. So just getting them outdoors is is really, really good for them. But you've just got to be smart about it. Um, like, it, at the end of the day, like, it's, you know, chasing a cat is a difficult thing. Like, you see people at dog parks and stuff like that with dogs who just take off and stuff. And that's, you know, a cat's 10 times worse than that. I mean, how many cats, you know, come when you call them? Um so, yeah, it's just being smart about it, doing your research on it and stuff like that, talking to other people who already do it with their cat. There's heaps of people on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that who have um, cats that go out, you know, they do these sorts of things. So there are far more positives than there are negatives, but just be smart about it.
2: Yeah. And it's just about tailoring it to your cat and their level of comfort and experience and your yeah. level of comfort and experience as well. So. Yeah. Like, we've got people in our community who go stand-up paddleboarding, yep. white water rafting, and all those sort of things with their cats. Hasara and yep. I, we're terrible at stand-up paddleboarding. We're not going to put our cats in that position where we're going to – we can't even do it ourselves. How are we going to yep. manage that situation with our cats? But we will go to the pub. We'll go to the cafe with our cats, and we'll go for a little hike. And that's, you know, a great, yep. great experience in exploring a Great
1: for stimulus. Us. It's great stimulus for a cat. But – some cats just won't like it so just you know just be attuned to it that's why i say, always say start small you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time <laughs> so don't yeah like so don't try and go like oh i'm gonna go cat exploring with my cat and go on like a 10k hike through the mountains and a camping trip with a cat that's never been outside like those sorts of things like just you know start with small stuff um treat them a lot, pat them a lot while you're doing the first thing. So they're like, this is a very comfortable experience and enjoyable experience for me. But yeah, just don't, like a lot of them, you know, like we'll go out and, you know, they'll take off and there's a lot of traffic around. There's there's a lot of predators. Um, like in Australia, Australia's everyone knows how much Australia is just full of things like snakes and spiders and you know, all those things. So if you've got a cat that's been inside, you know, for most of its life or something like that, they're not really going to understand what some of these things are. So yeah. So like there's just, you just got to be smart about it and do it slowly over a period of time.
2: Uh, That's a good point you make. And so you've listed quite a few surprising dangers for our cats that we should be on the lookout for while cat exploring. Did you have any others in mind that you think people need to be aware of?
1: Well, no, I mean like a lot of people like, you know, especially people who live in Australia, know there's a lot of dangerous stuff out there. Um, and in a lot of countries as well, like, you know, there are, you know, there's, there is, there are a lot of snakes, no matter where you go, unless you're in, you know, somewhere like, um, what, New Zealand, um, those sort of things, everything's out there. Like there are predators out there. Like, you know, if you're in the States, there's coyotes everywhere. Um, there's, you know, there's in, you know, in Europe and stuff, there's, you know, like things like, you know, um, you know, badges and, um, yeah, there's just there's just a lot of stuff out there that you know your cat might be oh look that's like a fluffy thing I'm gonna go and s- go sniff it and you know like yeah it's just yeah there's, there's there there are a lot of things but you know it's not to um, sort of scare anyone or stuff like that but it's it's just something just just be aware that the world I mean like when we go out into the world or out into the wild we you know take a lot of um, sort of sub subconscious. Um, risk evaluation that goes on in your head Uh, because you know we've spent you know 20 years on the planet and learn a lot of things or 40 years on the planet and learn a lot of things and you know we don't really think about stuff but you know if you've got like a one-year-old cat that's never been outside or has only been outside a couple of times like they just don't have the experience so slowly get them into it that's all I can really say because there are there are a lot of things out there but It's not to deter anyone because there's a lot of, there's way more positives in it than there are, you know, negatives.
2: Definitely agree in that there is a lot of benefit to it. And at the same time, there are things to be just aware of and doesn't mean that you never go out because we, we as humans, will experience a lot of the same dangers. Like, I mean, traffic is a, is a danger to humans as much as it is to animals and, you know, the predators around that we're talking about in Australia, Mm. especially and in the US and so forth, also a danger to us as well as cats couple other things i just want to sort of
1: tip oh, no, off, so. just, just yeah. one more point on that sorry um the other thing you got to remember is a cat is a predator so just in australia alone two billion animals die every year because of cats it's one and a half billion native animals die every year because of cats um so that they are a predator that's what they do that's not their fault that's just what they are. Um, so it is something else that you really have to concern yourself with is they are a danger to a lot of animals that are out there. So don't just let them, you know, like run off on their own. Is because what they're going the first thing they're going to do is like, I'm outdoors. Cool. One of my most important instincts is to hunt. So we all know that, you know, an owned cat is 99% of the time a fat cat um so they're all well fed and i was like, but they still have that i just want to hunt because it's exciting to me so that is a huge thing that i do have to push on people is like don't let your cat out at night because it's going to kill about six or seven animals a night you might not see them but it's going to happen um so yeah it is it is a danger to other animals as well because they are a predator themselves and a very good one
2: yeah that's definitely right and just on the other animals topic i guess just worth mentioning that dogs are an obvious predator. I mean, you go yep. walking and hiking, there will be dogs on the trail, so you just need to be mindful of that and manage yes. that situation. So. And plants. So a lot of plants can be poisonous to cats. Yep. So it's mindful, and you know, it's very good idea to keep an eye on what your plant is. so what your cat is eating yeah. when it's. We're talking about plants.
1: Um. Basically, when it comes to plants and stuff. Uh, so dogs are more um have more reaction to um leaf plants cats have far more reactions to flowers so don't let your cats sniff flowers people like to take photos with you know their cats in flowers and stuff like that and i just it just makes me cringe because pollen and things like that they're the things that cause anaphylaxis in uh, cats far more so than dogs um So, yeah, dogs is more the leaf will cause the problem, whereas cats is the flower will generally cause the problem. So just keep them away from flowers. Like if you have lilies, for example, that's going to kill your cat. I see heaps cats die from lilies because people bring them home um, and they do grow in the wild and stuff like that. And cats like to smell things because, you know, that's what they're, they're really good at it. And they have these tiny little noses. So it just gets straight in and... Yes, it just can cause a lot of problems. That's
2: such a sad case.
0: After this break Dr Evans shares all about fleas and ticks, its dangers, how to prevent it and how to tell if your cat's been bitten by fleas or ticks. I just wanted to take a moment of your time to say a big thank you to all the support you've been showing Cat Explorer. Being in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis is scary for any business and that's definitely been the case for Cat Explorer as we've actually been thinking about our future for a while. Our team's really small, consisting of one full-time person, that's me, and one part-time, weekend, nighttime person. We work long hours to support our community, and even before the current crisis, we've been thinking about Cat Explorer's future, and it's been a tad bleak. And we're really scared to share about this, because Cat Explorer has always been about you, and we didn't want to be a downer, especially right now. But we're so overwhelmed with the amount of support we've received for our new programs. The Cat Explorer Purse Squad and the Cat Explorer producers. A few of you had already reached out offering to help, so we created the Purse Squad as an option to support Cat Explorer every week, or every month, or every year. There are different levels with different benefits, so you can choose the option that works for you. And if you love the Cat Explorer podcast, you can be a producer for next season, starting in May, by becoming a Cat Explorer producer. Once again, there are a few different levels with a few different benefits. And it's just a once-off because we know that works better for some people in our community. I'll put a link to these options in the episode description, which you can access by hitting the podcast cover-up on whichever app you're listening to. And thank you so much for your support. Words really can't describe how grateful we are. And now back to our chat with Dr. Evan to hear all about protecting our kitties from fleas and ticks
2: now you mentioned fleas and ticks before so for a lot of cat explorers fleas and ticks are quite a concern because we often go hiking in forests or areas that may have fleas and ticks in nature is there anything we should be keeping an eye eye out for when cat exploring with regards to fleas and ticks
1: oh look there's there's a couple of myths about uh, this stuff that i'd like to point out um so the two biggest things um i say is preventatives are key that's the number one thing um number it's, it's like to make sure they're up to date and the two biggest things that I see in clinic is when people walk into the clinic and their cat's got some kind of parasite problem is they have two responses number 1 I forgot to give it this month I forgot you know, it was due a week and a half ago and I forgot I get that life happens um and it's just something that you do have to keep on top of and number 2 is but it's not tick season. There is no tick season. That's a myth. That's a misnomer and stuff like that. Um, they're always there, um, or, you know, fleas and stuff like that. You're like, no. Oh, but it's winter. You don't have to treat in winter. I'm like, no, it's really important to treat them all the time. Um, preventatives are key. Um, the number two thing is when you've gone out and done it, do a tick check and a flea check. Um, fleas aren't, so much in the wild um like you know sort of in the mountains and stuff like that if you're going out to those sorts of things fleas are much more want to hang around dirt around your home that's where 95 percent of fleas are but um you know worms are sort of more far more to do with you know dog parks and high traffic areas um ticks and lice and mites are the big problem like when you're out in the wild so i tell everyone look, when you come home everyone loves patting their cat do a tick check all over your cat and then most importantly hand it off to someone else and get them to do the same thing because two hands will check different things and feel different things and understand different things like so even in the vet clinic I will do a chick check on a cat or a dog, and then I will hand it off to one of the nurses and they'll do the same. Two eyes are always better than one.
0: That's such a good point. I just wanted to jump back to yep. what you're saying about how everyone, like it's easy to forget to do the monthly um, flea uh, or tick um, preventative. Uh, what we actually do is we've got a remi- a monthly reoccurring reminder in our calendar. So we see that and we know, yes, we need to do it. I won't lie. There are there have been months where we'll have to push it back a day or two, but that reminder just makes it so much easier yeah. in terms of how you just mentioned that we should be checking our cats for ticks. How do we do that?
1: Um, so really easy like cats like, you know, cats like to sit on your lap. Um, so the best thing I say is do it symmetrically. So with both your hands, like just put your cat on your knees, um, with its like head on your knees and its bum into your stomach and just start, it, it start at its head, scratching its head, Uh, With both hands, both sides, because you'll notice if there is anything there, if you're doing both sides of your cat, both, both hands should feel the same. And the best way to find if there's a difference is if one hand you feel something and the other hand you don't, there's probably something there. So just work symmetrically, like down your cat, check their ears, underneath the collar especially, and underneath their arms and in their groin. But yeah, it's just one of those things. Just run your hands down. And a lot of the time, you'll feel a tick. Um, you'll feel something different. Like a lot of time, you know, it's just a prickle. But you'll notice it if you're doing both sides of the cat at the same time far more than if you're just sitting there with her and just doing it with one hand.
2: So related, are there any particular cat behaviors that we can look out for to tell that our cat's got ticks or fleas?
1: So fleas, I mean, like you'll, you'll notice scratching um a lot of cats get a condition called flea allergy dermatitis um which causes a problem uh, just above their tail generally like my cat um gets FAD uh, she literally needs one bite from a flea and she is in all sorts um so and that is quite a common occurrence in cats uh nowadays um But when it comes to ticks, like in Australia and a few other countries around the world um, as well, so like Germany and the US, there is paralysis tick. They are exceedingly dangerous to cats, um, far more dangerous to dogs, yes, but still very, very dangerous to cats. Um, And what will happen with paralysis tick? The the poison that's in their salivary glands uh, affects their nervous system. Um, but it starts at the back end and progresses to the front end. So you'll notice problems with that. Like, you know, you'll notice if their their back, let like their gait. So the way they walk their back, their back leg just seems a bit funny sort of thing, or their tails a bit droopy or something like that. That's a really, 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 um, big sign to get your cat to the vet really, really quickly. Um, do a tick check and stuff like that on the way there. But yeah, if you notice something happening in the back end and progressing forward, if your cat is a meower, you'll notice a change in their meow. So that's one of the best ways we we, we figure it out in dogs is their bark changes. I like guess it gets a little bit people like, oh he's barking funny. It's a little bit high pitched, sort of thing, because that's their diaphragm going funny. Um and that's the big problem, that's what the thing that actually kills your dog or your cat is they go into respiratory arrest. Like it just stops their diaphragm from working. So they stop breathing. Um, so, yeah, if you notice any change in their vocalization, um, that's a big thing. And anything, any sort of like any problem in their back end that seems to progress, that's generally a bit, a bit, you know, it's getting late now. Um, certainly not too late, but they're sort of the two big things to look for when it comes to ticks.
0: Mm, paralysis ticks can be quite scary. And I think one thing to remind people is because when I did a bit of research about paralysis ticks a while yeah. ago, because it's something that we're so used to in Australia, you just know that you have to make sure that that's something that you keep an eye out for. And I was surprised to hear that it, it's not the case all around the world. But I was also surprised to hear that there are certain areas in the US that has paralysis ticks. And a lot of our community do travel through these areas. So yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly what they are because there's quite a few. But what I recommend is before you travel somewhere, especially if you're doing a road trip or something like that, just Google to see if there's paralysis ticks or talk to your veterinarian to see if there's a any type of tick or flea that you're concerned about and make sure that you're you've got the right preventative um, medication for that as well. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Another big another big thing is like I mean in Australia it's um, there is a huge amount of press and stuff like that because. Um, um, Xertes, hol- um, Silas, the Australian paralysis tick is by far the most deadly, um, classic Australia. Um, and it, and it is literally from the Northern tip of Queensland and people, people look at the tick map. Um, like if you Google tick map Australia and they go like, Oh, it's only down like to, I think it's all the maps only show lakes entrance in Victoria those maps are phenomenally old there is paralysis tick in Tasmania that's how far it goes down climate change has progressed this there are now hundreds of cases of paralysis tick in Melbourne and Geelong Um, so it's one of those things I sit there and go don't just google it on the map talk to your vet Um, it's everywhere the other big thing is in a lot of other countries there's uh, what we call it like zoonotic tick diseases so diseases that a tick will give to your cat that you, they can give to you big one Lyme disease in the U S huge in the U S 300,000 people are diagnosed with Lyme disease each year in the U S alone. Um, and it's a tick borne um, virus, uh, a tick borne uh, I think it's a bacteria. Um, and it's a huge problem. That'll make you sick for a very long time, especially your kids. Um, and your cat and cats and dogs are the things that bring it in. Um, it's a coyote sort of, um, it's a coyote, uh, basically a coyote disease, um, and a bear disease. Um, but it's everywhere. You go to South Africa or Europe. Um, there's a, like, they call it billory in South Africa. Cause I do a fair bit of work over there and heaps of, heaps of dogs and cats over there have it, but that's, uh, a Babesia. Um, so that's an intracellular parasite, uh, and that is transferable to humans as well and makes people very, very sick. So it's really important. Just just give you, give your cat and your dogs the proper prevention and, you know, it's it's going to make everything. Like prevention is a thousand times better than your cure. That's what I try and hammer into people so much. Like people don't realize, that, like say so paralysis tick, um, a paralysis tick case in Australia, you can look at anywhere from like, you know, 2000 to $15,000 to fix that. And, you know, you can give them – you know, a, a $20 preventative, you know, or a $15 preventative each month and never have to worry about it. So there's, yeah, it's just one of those things where, yeah, prevention is so much better than the cure.
2: So Dr. Evan, we're coming to up towards the end of the podcast. And before we let you go, we want to go through our last four questions that we go through with every guest. So the first one is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to new cat owners?
1: Um, so do your homework before you get one. Go to a shelter, don't buy them on, do not buy them online, go to a shelter. There's hundreds of thousands of cats uh, out there that are perfectly fine and fantastic cats, Um, especially like if you go to the RSPCA or something like that. They're going, they've all been through behavior tests, they've all been through health checks and everything like that.
2: So what's been the most entertaining comment that someone said to you as a vet?
1: Oh, there's so many. I don't know like how entertaining some of them are, but there's a hell of a lot where you just kind of sit there and go, Oh my God. Um, But I guess the couple of the best ones are someone bringing their dog in and being like, you know, just in a normal clinic. And then I've had this happen on numerous occasions turning around and they've like taken their pants off or something like that going, what do you think this is? And like showing me like this giant boil on their you know, on their bum or something like that. I'm like, I'm not a doctor. Go <laughs> see someone about that.
0: <laughs> I actually, for a second there, I thought you were talking about the dog wearing pants. And no. <laughs> I realized, no.
1: No, it's like literally I'll like turn around to the computer and be like, Rrah. I'll be like, you know, oh yeah, I've got this thing on my, and I'll be like, you'll turn around and they're like sitting there showing it to you. And you're like, dude, go see a doctor. That's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's probably, um, probably, you know, things like, I don't want to vaccinate my cat. I don't want it to get autism. And you're like, oh my God, that is not, a, that is not an animal problem. And that doesn't, that doesn't happen. And yeah, like it's, there's a lot, there's, there is a lot of, um, a lot of it is predicated by, I read online. Um, and yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of funny things, but also at the same time, you're kind of like, oh my God, that's so dangerous. Um, but look, there's, there's hundreds of weird things, but the big one is, yeah, um the, what do you think this is? And just showing me.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I I definitely wasn't expecting that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It it happens. uh, It also happens at uh, dinner parties as well. Um, So like, you'll be sitting there and be like, Oh yeah, I've got this thing. Like, yeah. And especially like when my, when I'm with my brother, um, like my brother's an emergency pediatrician, I'm a veterinarian. So what do people want to talk to you about? Their pets and their kids. So yeah, we hear so much. It's like some some of it is hilarious, but yeah, everyone just wants everyone just wants to show me their problems because they think just because I've got a doctor in front of my name that I know human medicine. Um, a lot of it is you know done on human medicine, uh, but at the same time, it's like well, it's not what we do. Uh, so yeah, pull your pants up and. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so- um, which cats inspire you, and what are their social media handles?
1: Um, okay, well, two of my really, really good friends have two of like the biggest um, Instagram accounts um, in Australia. Um, so, Catman Two um, mm-hmm. is probably one of my favorites. Um, he's cat trainer, um, and his cats do fantastic things. And they're all rescue cats, which is the big thing. These aren't you know, thousand dollar, two thousand dollar cats. They're all You know, they're all rescue cats, and they are fantastic. Some of the tricks they can do are really, really cool. Um, I think one of them holds the world record for longest skateboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that was, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, So they're based on the – they're on the Gold Coast. Um, And Nathan the Beach Cat. Nathan the Beach Cat just got uh, a partner as well, so there's now two of them. But Nathan the Beach Cat, like, he's uh, from Tweed Heads, and spends, like, all day in the surf. Uh, Black Cat, le- absolute legend, um, and just loves the water and will, like, go surfing and everything with his owners. Um, so they're easily my two favourites.
0: Yeah, love Nathan and Winnie. They were on our podcast back Winnie, in the Winnie, that's the new one's yeah. name. Back in season two, I believe. What I'll do is I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And um, we were really lucky. I think I was really struggling not to squeal, but we met Deja and Bindi from Catman 2 Cat um, back, yeah. Yeah, back in December last year. And yeah. I, poor, poor Rob, Rob. I just like ran up to him. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he gets that a lot.
1: So don't worry. Yeah, but he
0: was. Um, we were really impressed with how well he was. He was unloading his car and he was managing both cats so well.
1: What like four or five now? So
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so what product, service, or program has been a game changer for your cats or the cats that you treat?
1: Um, so well, number one, um, well, drink well is probably the the most well known. Um, and international um brand them for water fountains. That is my number one thing that I try and push onto people is if they've got a cat or a dog, is get a water fountain, buy a drink well. Um, they've got really good filters on them and everything like that. And they last like mine's lasted 15 years. Um, so they're they're built to last. They're a fantastic thing. They're a small investment, but we know how important it is for humans to drink water. It's really, really, really important for your cats and dogs. So that's my number one thing is get a drink well fountain or get one of the fountains. There's heaps of them online, but that's probably my most, um, like I, I like that one the most. Um, and in a selfish plug, my own thing, um, is, uh, basically like, you know, get, get stuff delivered to your house. Um, like when they're due, you know, get, you know, your food, you get your food delivered to your house, um, In the right portions get your parasiticides delivered to your house because that'll help you remember like all those sorts of things Um, there's a lot of online reminders there's a lot of online services now that take the job away from you so yeah just um look them up
2: do you want to give us the name of your own um service Um, that you've
1: yeah look i I don't really don't you know i know it's a, a, a shameless uh self plug but yeah i started so i had a um i used to work when i worked for the rspca Um, I saw a lot of cats and dogs um, coming in with, you know, um, flea and tick problems, Um, 43,000 admissions a month um, for parasite related diseases in Australia. Um, So I basically went, oh, there's got to be a way out there just to take this problem out of people's hands. So I created a company called Fleamail. um, So um, fleamail.com.au. Basically, so what we do is, we deliver to your door exactly what your pet needs um, to prevent all the, all the different parasites um, exactly when it's due. So when the big blue um, envelope gets there, it's all like, you know, each, each pack will have your own pet's name on it and exactly the treatment that they need that month. Um, all the timing and stuff is done by us. And literally all you have to do is when the blue pack arrives, just give it to your pet there's no remembering, there's no calendars, there's no stickers, there's no text messages and stuff. It's just when the blue pack arrives, you just give it to your pet and you know that they're uh, protected.
2: Yeah. So you're combating basically some of those problems that we just spoke about where, yes, you know, when people say, I forgot to give it or, yep. you know, how do I know it's safe and, you know, suitable yep. for my cat? So that flea you know, would, will- Go yeah. a long way to we're, Yeah,
1: we're all vets. We're all vets and nurses, and they're all packed by vets and nurses. Um, each each cat and dog gets their own custom plan. So it's based on your location. Um, so you know that everything's covered. So one of the big problems I see is people come in and go, Oh, my cat's on this. And I go, Yeah, cool. So what are you doing about this parasite, this parasite, this parasite? And they go, But it's on Brevecto. And I'm like, Yeah, you need to read the fine print. It doesn't do this, 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 and this. There is no product in Australia. That covers all parasites there is no single product you must give a combination
0: and uh, flea mail is mainly in australia at the moment but you're looking to expand overseas as well aren't you
1: so yeah we've recently expanded to new zealand as well um and uh our next stop um will be doing singapore uh and then we're going to um we're going to be launching next year uh in europe so france germany And uh, France, Germany, Spain, Italy, and the UK.
0: Awesome. So that will be in 2021.
1: Yes. And uh, yeah, like cheaper than going to a pet store yourself. Just get it delivered to your house by a vet. um, And yeah, it just makes everything way easier. You just don't, you don't ever have to wait. It's all automated by us. Um, And instead of going in and spending, you know, 200 bucks on a, you know, a six pack of, um, you know, something and maybe not getting the right combinations or those things sort of right. Um it's far cheaper it's you know like twenty bucks a month instead and it's delivered mm-hmm. to your door
0: mm, definitely sounds awesome so De- Dr Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. We've my learned pleasure. so much Where can we find you online
1: uh so the best place is yeah flemail dot com dot a u that's um sort of my uh, my website um I've recently just started um kicking and screaming i know um I've recently just started a like my own um Facebook page it's just Dr Evan Vet um but my bigger one is sort of, you know f- like you can find fleamail.com.au and fleamail New Zealand on Facebook as well there's a lot of information there it's you know that's kind of like um where I do most of my you know my blogs and things like that like my website's got blogs um but yeah I really Um, I've only sort of like just started getting into um, now my own personal stuff now because I have
2: time. So we'll put those links and any other links from today's episode in the show notes available at cat explorer.co forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Did you know that subscribing to this podcast really helps us? It would help us rank on the podcast charts as an independent podcaster. This really helps us get sponsors to continue this podcast for you. So it would mean the world to us. If you could hit subscribe on your podcasting app, Or if you're listening on Spotify, hit follow. Thank you so much for being a part of the Cat Explorer community. That's it for today. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime, enjoy giving your kitty the world.